Hello. Hello. Hello, Don. Hello, Ben. Hello, Don. Doctor. Doctor Don. Doctor Ben. Doctor. Doctor Benjamin J. Chapman. Doctor. Oh, oh, that was my Diet Coke. I sure it was. Sure it was. Okay, everybody farts. Yeah. Well, I know, but not like it would be very difficult to do that right close to the microphone. Close the microphone. I'm not. I'm not that flexible. Um. Uh, yeah, Dr. Uh, Donald uh, S. Schaffner. <laughs> I like w. to call you Donald S. Schaffner, even though I know it's a W. Yes. Yes. It's William, a... correct? William, very good. Yeah, oh, well, My dad's name. Nice. Mine, uh, mine's James. James, yeah. as in Jesse James. As in Jesse James, as in, as in the uh, outlaw. Ow, ow, ow. Yeah, as in the real outlaw, Jesse James. Um, I think you're thinking of Casey Affleck. <sighs> I think you're thinking of uh, the guy that wears a wig. Uh, the, I think it, you're, it's a duck. I think you're thinking of a duck. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so what's what's up? What uh, what was up? That's uh, my, well, you know who that is? That's David Brent. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> talking uh, like a uh, Bud Light commercial from uh, 1994 or 97. Yeah, oh, so good. Um, yeah, so uh, what what is up, uh, Ben? Um, I had something I was going to say, and then you made me think about David Brent, and then I had to Google stuff. Um, is it the what, urinals? You want to talk urinals? Well, we could talk. We could talk urinals. We could talk about all the spam I keep getting. Uh, we could talk about uh, CDC and sandboxes. Uh, oh, we're definitely going to talk CDC sandboxes. And, yeah, and so. we're going to talk um, uh, listeria, and we're going to talk something else. You you might not even see. This is hot off the press. Like literally so, hot off the press, so hot that it was it was posted 19 minutes ago. Oh my um, goodness! It's uh, it's a Betteridge's Law uh, headline. Oh, nice. It is, but but the answer to this one, uh, it might be yes. yes. Oh, uh, let me find it. Let me find. It. Well, we'll get to it. you. Let's right. let's talk. Let's talk urinals first, and then I'll get to this. Okay, so as as you know, Ben, uh, the urinal in your office is is out of order. It's out of order. I had to go to the restroom. Yeah. So, um, and we had a faculty meeting recently in, in my department and we have a, you know, we have a 1970s era building. Um, but there is, and you know, not to bat, you know, to bash my university, but I'm going to bash my university for a little bit. We had the discussion in the, you know, and faculty meeting is mostly just a bunch of old white men, um, yeah. griping in our department. Although actually in our department, it's, uh, old, uh, men, mostly men, um, mostly old, uh, not all, not all necessarily white. Um, but, uh, bitching about, uh, the lack of janitorial service, um, and the, the state of cleanliness in the building. And at some point, and I had, I'd sort of mentally filed this away and wasn't going to bring it up. But then at some point we got to like the state of the restrooms. And I said, you know, I just want to point out that the three, closest restrooms to where we are sitting right now in this conference room. One is completely out of order and has been for months and the door is locked and, and can't figure out how to get in and, and it's out of order. So it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and then if you go directly across, uh, the, the other side of the building, uh, the two, again, the most close men's room, the two urinals have giant, uh, plastic bags over them, I guess, implying that you shouldn't use them for urinating I, I think um, to protect, to protect the urinal. Yeah. yeah. Cause if you and, are going to urinate, let's not get it in there. Right. <laughs> 
Um, and then, uh, and then there is a, uh, there, there's a, there's two stalls. Um, and that's fine. So if you could, you could urinate in a stall, uh, or you could, you know, do a number two, that's fine. Um, but what the hell, Ben? I mean, it's just like, we're, we are the state university of New Jersey. This is the food science department, but apparently we can't get someone to come and fix our toilets. I, it's just, it just boggles my mind. Well, I, have you, have you thought about just going outside? <laughs> Does that come up? <laughs> well, you know, and it's a it's a it's a big building. It's a well, big campus. So, cu- cu- couple options. Uh, I could use the ladies' room. Yeah. Probably wouldn't wouldn't do that. I could I could walk a little bit. And, and I am Ben. I am not opposed to walking. I'm a man who enjoys walking. You do, and, and you in fact you know, for sport. Yeah, right. It's, it's like mean, it's, it's like thing. your thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm happy. I'm happy to. It's it is not. It is not that it is in. It is not that it is inconveniencing me. It is that it is embarrassing to the department, right? Like I can walk down the hall and there's another bathroom, and as far as I know, the urinals there are working. But it's just like, if if this was your house, would you just like not fix it? I mean, that's the that's the <laughs> analogy, right? Is this if this is your house and you had two toilets in your house and one was just broken, would you not fix it? Well, some people might solve the problem that way but but geez whiz ben they might fix it they might not fix it it's true i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure don so i um uh as as you know and as uh you know listeners uh, uh friends of the pod listeners of the show would know i have a urinal in my office um which is also out of order i have a big bag on it um you can i don't know if you can hear it the bag there mm-hmm. um right now so i had to go to the the restroom um, so, I mean, usually this conversation is not for me because I have, you know, like I, I like to call it, it's like an executive style bathroom here. Um, and, and I, I look down at uh, a conversation like that and just think, Don, how come you, how come you don't, and everybody doesn't just have a urinal in their, in, in their office. Um, but, uh, but it does sound embarrassing because especially if you have a guest, you, you know, I, you want them to be able to use a, a, a sort of a private space and not just the corner of your office. Right. Right. And you don't want to say, oh, yeah, sure. Um, the, the nearest bathroom you can't use, um, but but you can walk way down the hall, uh, you know, but, but don't but don't go into these because they're just embarrassing. Do you think? Right? That, yeah. Do you think that they make it maybe just like just use that as other space if they're if they're not going to repair it? Like, could you make it a lunchroom? Well, I can tell you there are – there's a, at least one faculty member that I think it would be, make an excellent office for them. <laughs> yeah. We, we really – Ben, we, just, really, we you... really want him to retire, Ben. I cannot, uh... I cannot stress so with, – with more, any more emphasis that, that he really ought to retire. Did you just subtweet somebody on our podcast? I did. I did. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Nice. Well – I'm sorry you're having urinal and, and restroom woes. Um, I, I've talked, you know, I've, I've talked about my uh, my facility here a little bit, not not my uh, fictional urinal in the corner, but I, I've mentioned that we have a um, a fountain in my building. Have I have I talked to you about this? I mentioned it to everybody who walks in this building. Do people pee in the fountain? No. I, I've, I've, I, this is news to me, Ben. This oh, this this sounds this is making your office sound even more exciting than it did before. Yeah, I've well, never. You know, I have never visited your office. You haven't. You've never been to to visit me in Raleigh. Have you ever been to Raleigh? Um, I have been to Raleigh. I was. I was. You know, Ben. I was. I was in Raleigh when you were in graduate school. I have. <laughs> I have visited. I visited Raleigh. I visited uh, my colleagues in the food science department. Uh, visited. Uh, I want to say, did I visit Leanne? I, I visited Sophia. Actually, I think I was mostly there to to visit with um, Fred Bright. 
Oh, well, um, I gave, did I give a seminar there? I, don't, I was, I, you know, Ben, I, I, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so busy and I'm so old. Um, I've been a lot of places. I have to check my, uh, my CV. I, I remember having a very nice dinner with Fred Bright. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, and I remember maybe visiting some people in their offices. Um, but, but, but this was food science, not your, not where yeah. you live and work. I'd come uh, or, and meet you. Or, yeah. I, I, you know, if you're over there, I could, I could make my, my way over to that building. But, but this was, uh, but this was pre, uh, this was pre BC. This was, mm-hmm. uh, Pre BC and Raleigh, <laughs> and and I'm just I'm just making up rap lyrics. Yeah, now. you're just riffing here now, just riffing a little bit. Um, so so yeah, we got this. We have this fountain in our building that <laughs> that I have for the last nine years, eight years, however long I've been here, been very concerned that um, that I and others in my building will get Legionella from this. Uh, this fountain so much that it's like a running joke. And the reason why I worry about it is because uh, obviously I read a lot of microbiology news and, and Legionella is one of the things that I'm kind of interested in, even though it's not food safety, because there's this whole like risk management situation with it. And then the consequence is pretty high because people die from it. Um, and it's just associated with like, uh, you know, fountains and water, uh, um, you know, cooling systems. And uh, anyway, um, so, so I, I like, as I bring people into the building for the first time and we walk by this fountain, I always mention things like, this is the fountain that's going to give me Legionella someday. Um, and the reason why I think it's going to give me Legionella, because, uh, maybe once every two weeks, the fountain, uh, somehow loses its chemical balance and smells like a sewer or smells like, um, like a, a camping, a, a tent that you would take camping that you've left in your garage for 12 weeks or 12 months. Um, it, it just has this like odor of, uh, a, an odor that yells out, someone's not managing me very well. And so that's, yeah, that, that's the thing where, where I literally like, it's, it's, it's this ongoing battle where, where it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of not a joke. And I would love to take, um, uh, some of the you know salary release money that I have to to just cement it over. Yeah, and you know it's funny because just as you were launching into that story, you mentioned fountains and and you and you started and before you even said Legionella, the thing that immediately leapt to my mind was Legionella. It's, right. It's it's this is yeah. I mean this this could be a likely source for Legionella and 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 a, an improperly maintained fountain, especially one that that periodically smells like you've described that one smelling. That's just not good, Ben. And that's so. But now tell me this: why? Why? What is the history behind why there is even oh, a fountain in this building? Great question. Did it, did it, did it used to be a mall? <laughs> it did. No, um, I work. Yeah, I work at the mall. Um, <laughs> I often uh, am calling you from William Sonoma, Sonoma. Uh, sometimes from uh, Cinnabon. Um, no, my so my building um, is is on NC State land, and it was leased. I don't know how long. Maybe let's say fifteen. No, it's probably longer. Twenty years ago. To an, uh, it was either an architecture firm or a design firm, some some firm that uh, that built the building, and, and I, I essentially work in an office building that has a lobby mm. with a with a fountain and nice like glass lobby type doors um, in our downstairs area, and then upstairs it's you know there's a bunch of um, suites of uh, of offices, and wow. so yeah. So it's a different it's a different kind of setup, and, and yeah. we, we have there are lots of benefits to it. One is, I am located 
slightly off campus, like slightly off main campus. So the major benefit is uh, there's no uh, parking administration uh, jurisdiction here. So I don't have to pay for a parking pass. Well, that's awesome. It really is awesome. And there's no, like, we have a parking lot for my building. Like, the, and it's never, like, I every time I come, I park in the first or second row. Like, I'm, it's never, it's never an issue. Um, other benefits are uh, we're right next to the uh, Arboretum, the NC State Arboretum. So um, many times I've talked to you um, and others on a conference call as I walk around the Arboretum. Oh, it's, it's that is lovely. awesome. It really is. It's lovely. Um, but anyway, that's, yeah, the history is we, our college, uh, I don't know, appropriated this building when uh, um, the design firm left and, uh, and my department uh, uh, is situated in, in the entire upstairs. So it's kind of nice. nice. Yeah. Nice. But, but yeah, you got to, you should do something about that fountain. Uh, I mean, you know, parking is great, but I would I would trade uh, paid paid parking for no Legionella. I, who who wouldn't? I, and, and maybe there are some listeners that wouldn't, but I'm with you, Don. I, mm. I it, it is uh, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. And like it, it literally is the people people must think I'm very I'm obsessed with it because I it is the literally the first thing I tell people when they come in the building. There's the <laughs> You know, there's the fountain. Watch, uh, and it's loud, right? So you can't like not notice this gurgling, bubbling fountain. And then I highlight it. It will, you know, it might give you Legionella today, and me tomorrow. We'll all die from Legionella at some point because of this. Well, what you what you should do is you should just like shortly before you enter the room with the fountain, you should say now. I'm going to walk into this room, but I want you to know that I'm going to take a deep breath first. I'm going to hold my breath and we're going to walk and I'm going to walk through as fast as possible. Um, but you can do what you like. Yeah. <laughs> and when and when someone says, why are you doing that? Just say, oh, uh, no, no reason. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's a great place to work. It's we uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate that we have. um we have a suite that that um, you know all, all my folks were all we're all really close to each other and we've got lots of space to do collaborative stuff but but we also have this death fountain <laughs> nice yeah um so so guess what uh, uh it's your birthday no it's not my birthday oh. not yet uh, it's my mom's birthday oh is it it really is yeah oh happy my, birthday mrs chapman yeah i uh we've been i, I you know as one does with uh uh, with a parent and uh, technology these days, I've been texting back and forth with my mom all day. B- birthday greetings, That's and we nice. and we we have a a plan this evening before uh, uh, her grandchildren go to bed that we're gonna Facetime. Oh, so that's nice. It is. It is. She's uh, she is uh, sixty something. Sixty. Let's see. We talked oh. about this before on the podcast, yeah, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, because because so. so, the last time we recorded it was like birthday. my mom's birthday, yeah. right? Yeah. My mom is 63 today. Nice. Or 64. Oh, yeah. Oh, 64 oh that today. Beatles. Yeah. Beatles song. That's, right. that, that's That's how. That's what we ta- mentioned that's before. We, we did not link to the Beatles song, but we will do that this time. I think it was in After Dark when we were scheduling today where I was like, oh, that's. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um, so I got that going on. I, uh, I visited a new school for uh, one of my kids today. Um, so my, my one son is, is moving schools, uh, at the end of, uh, this school year to, uh, a school that's a little larger and has a lot more, 
um, after school and in school clubs and just, you know, more he, cause he's at a, a charter school right now. That's a small school and we're going to a, a traditional, uh, public school. That's a, uh, so, so I, I got to tour that school and it was awesome. It reminded me of, of elementary school. Um, nice. Yeah. And he was really excited about it. Um, so what can, if, if, I mean, this yeah. is taking us off topic, but so can I ask why, uh, is it for all those additional benefits you were describing? Is that the reason why you're changing? Yeah. And, and he, he, um, I, th- I think we're really, we're really fortunate with him that he is excelling in a couple of subject areas, um, math and, and reading and being at a small school, there aren't opportunities mm-hmm. to support, uh, a, a sort of, um, excelling within his classroom at that so he's he's kind of an outlier on um on his levels and it doesn't work very well in in this uh system to move him to another class for two subjects um where in a larger school when you've got multiple different grades that that may be all at different um you know with groups at different levels there's a there's a lot more opportunity for for him so i think he's getting i don't know he he wouldn't like if I asked him, he he would probably say that he's bored all the time, but I don't believe that. Um, I think that's just what eight year olds say. Mm-hmm. But I, but I don't think he is enjoying school as much as he was um, last year uh, because mm-hmm. because he's he's kind of doing a lot of stuff on his own right now. Um, and so yeah, so we're we've been exploring uh, some opportunities, and and he's now yeah he's going to move schools, and then our younger son Sam is going to stay at. Um, his their their current school um he's in a spanish immersion program and is really enjoying that so we're we're gonna have we'll have two kids at two different schools which seems insane no let's say it's doable and and we did that there were times when we did that with our our two kids and uh yeah and you know and it's 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 fine i mean they went to different high schools uh, because they had different interests so yeah 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 so we're we my you know danny and i grew up in a small town and there was no like, mm. you no know, choices, right? Like this, right, this right. is the school that you went to. And I never, it, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about this um, recently who also grew up in uh, in a small small town, and um, you know, you never like I didn't even know that there was an opportunity in other places to be at different schools, like like that that there were, uh, especially in, in urban areas where we've got we have magnet schools here and. In right. Raleigh, where you know you they have focus areas and and based on interest and yeah, I mean I I grew up in a in a place where it was like well you go to I went to Howard Jordan Elementary School because that's the because that's the one you went to yeah that's the neighborhood yep. I lived in and yep. and there was only one high school in our whole town so everybody all the fi- the um, I don't know five or six elementary schools we all went to the same um, middle school and then we all went to the same high school. Hmm. Yeah, when I was in high school, there was just the barest startings of something called the alternative high school, and I did not go to it. But it was basically, uh, I think it was sort of a very much unstructured, free curriculum where I don't want to say they could, the kids could do whatever they wanted, but it was very much, um, you know, it was it was a very eclectic group of uh, kids that were like, I mean, that would have, I mean, there there were, you know, it was Ithaca, right? So it's like there's always, I mean, there's, it's that that community. Let's just leave it there. That's eclectica. Kind of eclectic. Yeah, eclectica, <laughs> exactly. Um, but but the really, uh, you know, I don't want to say again, I don't want to be pejorative, but the you know the kids that were just really, um, just kind of out there, uh, and whose parents also would were supportive of the idea of an alternative school. Uh, but that was only when you got to the to the level of high school, so. Huh, yeah, we—I I mean, we had um, in in our school board there was there was something like that. It was in a different town, 
Um, and it was, I think, you know, more more targeted for um, at-risk students, you know, uh, right. you know kids that, that were uh, maybe struggling with the more traditional uh, school schooling uh, process. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're I, I don't know, we're really fortunate to live in, in a really great county that that has lots of opportunities and lots of options and um but and a great facebook page (laughs) great facebook and and the best twitter uh handle ever that gets harassed by people when they uh uh, post things about uh weather and whether school is going to be canceled um which i had been like following even though our kids don't go there um so yeah Anyway, what's yeah? So we so I did that this morning. Went and saw this cool school, and um, and and Jack was really excited. And then and then guess uh, then then I did another thing. I did some food safety stuff after that, and I said, guess what? But you'll never guess. <laughs> so I went to. So don't don't even bother. I okay, went, I went. <laughs> oh, and that started us on that big long digression. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, I went to the Central and Eastern North Carolina Food Bank to talk about food safety stuff with the staff that runs it. And this is not like, this isn't your this isn't your mom's food bank, Don. This is not a an, an eclectica uh, is gorgeous. Uh, mm. food, <laughs> food, uh, not bad uh, food bank. I went to a food bank that's like one hundred and ten thousand square feet that looks like a distribution center for uh, a grocery store reta- retailer. Like it, it was just, it was huge. It was insane. And they they serve like thirty four counties or something. Um, yeah, I'm looking looking at the website right now, and it's uh, it's it's very it's a uh, it's kind of a weird map on their on their um, website because yes. it's kind of this big green area, but then there's a there's an area that's sort of carved out too. So yeah, um, it, like that's sort of a, a hole in the in the coverage area, which guys yeah, probably a metropolitan area. Yes, yes, that it's is served by a different food bank. So yep. yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, so yeah, cool. it was it was cool. I, I w- walked through the facility and <clears throat> oh, I forgot to mic that off. Um, I uh, we talked about food safety stuff and and they're they're doing some interesting things like um, because they have this new brand new facility, they are um, like repacking um, you know fr- fresh produce, and so they're getting some bulk stuff in and then they're putting it into smaller boxes for distribution. And we talked about Listeria a lot. They were, they were doing some really interesting stuff today, actually, where they received a whole bunch of um, large containers of frozen peas. So I don't know. I mean, these these were, um, I'd say, four by four by five bins filled of frozen peas in, in bulk. And they're trying to repack them so they could get them to people. Oh, cool. Yeah, so so we, we I taught we we had because I just came from the uh, AFICON, the uh, American Frozen mm-hmm. Food Institute. Yep. So we talked a little bit about frozen vegetables and cooking yeah. instructions and not ready nice. to eat foods versus ready to eat foods. And they were like, "This is really useful." We didn't hmm. even think about that kind of stuff, or not like not in a bad way. You know what I mean? Like they're like, "Thanks for sharing that." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I had a kind of a fun day just hanging out with uh, with the people of the world. Uh, the people of the food safety world and, and the elementary school world. 
Well, speaking speaking of people from the world, I want to tell you, I was on a, a con- I've been doing a bunch of things today, but specifically, I was on a conference call, and I want to I want to just talk to you about it because it was just kind of a really a really cool thing. So this is uh, an email uh, that came in uh, last week that was forwarded to me by a colleague at Rutgers, um, and I'll just read from the the email, um, uh, tell you a little bit about this group. So uh, thank you so much for offering your assistance. Um, we are a group of military veterans sourcing high-quality saffron from Afghan farmers. With three years of operations, we've made progress, and there's still much more to improve upon. Here's our goal, uh, to reduce the incidence, uh, incident, risk and incidence of contamination from pathogens such as E. coli and salmonella by providing training at the farm level to farmers and women harvesters and processors where contamination is most likely to occur, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, it's just like this is, this is a fascinating group. Like, okay, so these are military veterans who obviously spent time in Afghanistan and want to do something to help <clears throat> the Afghan people. Uh, and uh, and Afghan in Afghanistan, apparently you can grow saffron. It's not uh, sure. where you commonly get saffron. Um, uh, and and they want to make sure they do it right in in terms of food safety. And so we had a really nice chat today about uh, you know what some of the issues are. I'm you know put them you know directed them to some other people that are probably more on the front lines of uh, uh, good agricultural practices and on-farm food safety training so i you know pointed them towards some colleagues at rutgers and and, and also elsewhere um but we had a good good talk about about saffron and what they're trying to do so i just and it just i just think what a cool idea like to decide that okay you know we want to really help this country and we want to help them grow and guess what they make this really high and you know i don't know if you know much about afghanistan ben but they also have another high value crop that they grow i don't think it's quite as high value as saffron <laughs> no um uh but but uh this could be a really nice opportunity for them if they could if they could actually grow uh grow saffron so uh, anyway it's it's what that's how that's how i spent part of my day today that's cool that's that's really neat i um, you know, I, I, I kind of had the same, I guess, I don't know if it's like a social responsibility kind of feeling or, or yeah. whatever, you yeah. know, with, you know, going to the food bank where, where, and as I left the meeting, I was like, look, I have a lot of students who, who either, you know, work for me or, I'm um, you know, I, you know, I see who, who I think could really get interested and involved in helping with any food safety thing because there it's, it, it has this like real tangible impact, right? Like, like just like the saffron where, you know, being able to to break down some of the um, challenges or hurdles out there uh, for uh, farmers in, in Afghanistan to um, you know get get into a, a sustainable business model, and if food safety is one of those barriers and you can help with it, that's a really that's a really cool thing. Like that's yeah. it's important. It's important that we do yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Well, that's, that sounds that sounds fun. Um, I I had I, I've had I've had like a really last, last since I talked to you I've had a lot of I've been doing a lot of fun stuff. Um, you know I mentioned I went to to Afficon had uh, um, a nice dinner and a nice lunch with our good friend Linda Harris who downloads the podcast maybe still probably doesn't listen to, listen to it or she'll listen to this she's listening to it in sequential order and she'll hear this uh, in like four years that we name dropped her or something like that. Um, but yeah, so we talked a lot about, um, listeria and frozen foods and, um, uh, Af- Afi's really, really cool. Like I, from a, a trade organization, I think, you know, um, our, our common friend Donna Garen, I think, and, uh, Sanjay Gamala, they do a really great job sort of 
uh, taking a look at emerging issues and, and trying to get on the forefront and then like putting together plans and, and being able to um, work with their members to secure resources, to address things. And, and so Donna and Sanjay shared, um, you know, the, the details of their Listeria, um, uh, I guess, plan, like what, how, how the, the frozen food industry is addressing it and sort of broken into different uh, areas. And it was, it was really cool to, to see that, like, in actually have like there's not a lot of hey we need to you know food safety is really important to us it was like food safety is important to us right now listeria is really important to us and here's how we're addressing that concern and here are the answers that we're trying to you know, get and here are some of the uncertainties that we have and this is a multi-pronged approach and we want to talk to consumers and we've got to get into education for food service folks and we need to do risk assessment so there was like a whole bunch of cool stuff that they laid out that um that I, it was it, it was i mean i i don't like going to meetings um i like you know i like giving talks and and leaving and this this one was <laughs> not not that at all i didn't mm. have to talk i sat there i, I provided some um, some feedback. I don't, you know, I don't know how useful it was or, or not. Um, but we had a, I, I think a very good conversation and, and, and so, yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I enjoyed it. It's, it was in, it was in San Diego, which, which I know is one of your favorite places. And mm. I, and I also love it. Like it is, it's a yeah. really cool spot. So yeah. yeah and, and I, and I, I would have been there if there was any way that I could have, um, but instead of that, I was paying a lot of money to a big Russian man named Oleg to, uh, basically, um, uh, bend the crap out of my shoulder and cause me great pain. So that, that was what I chose to do instead of going to Affy. And believe me, I would much rather have gone to Affy, um, and gone to San Diego. And I'm sure my lovely wife would have also wanted that cause it's also one of her favorite cities, but alas, uh, physical therapy. <clears throat> recovery from surgery, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and I've been, I've been confining my travel, although I have to say in about a month or so, uh, we are going to be, um, going on a trip and I'm going to California, not quite Southern, not quite as far Southern as San Diego, but, but I've got, uh, sort of back-to-back meetings, um, late one week and early next, the next week in, um, Los Angeles area. So we're going to spend, uh, spend some time about 10 days in Southern California and, um, uh, we're going to finally get to go to the Monterey Aquarium, which we've been wanting to do for a while. So, yeah, so cool. that's, that's, uh, that's our, that's our plan. So, and, uh, so, but what that means is I've got like four weeks of intensive physical therapy and then I'm going to see my doctor and then I'm going to have to give my doctor the bad news that I'm going to have 10 days without physical therapy. So I really, as much as I bitch about Oleg, um, and, and Mark, who is uh, much smaller and much more gentle and not Russian, um, who is also my other physical therapist, um, as much as I bitch about them, um, uh, I, I, I want to like take this, you know, hundred percent and really get as much progress as I can. Cause I know I'm going to slack off for 10 days. So, well, nice. yeah. now would you, would you say that Oleg is, is, is that, is he tapping your wires or is that something totally different? <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving myself a ding for that one. There you go. There I'll, you go. Gi- I'll give you. I'll give you a ding too. No, uh, uh, no. I'm pretty sure that he is not uh, tapping my wires. He he is taping my shoulder. See, um, I have I have some. You know, I don't know if you've been to physical therapy lately, but the, no. the fashion in physical therapy now is to use this tape, this yeah. this uh, kinetic tape or whatever. We'll see if I can find a link to it. It's uh, anyway. It's it's all the 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 new. That's all what the hip the hip new cool. Uh, uh, physical therapists are doing. And so I've got some, some shoulder, uh, shoulder tape, uh, from put there by Oleg, um, to, uh, 
to uh, get that, uh, to help me, I don't know, help me be aware of, um, my shoulder and, and to have good posture and to pull my, uh, shoulder blades back and uh, do the stuff I'm supposed to do to get better. So, yeah. Well, that's that's good. I've seen this tape. I've seen it. It was ah, okay. yeah. It was in the Olympics, right? There's all this. Uh, yes. Yes. People are wearing this tape. And then, have you been? Uh, has Oleg been cupping you? <laughs> Not as far as you know. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, Michael Phelps is that guy had all those uh, all those back hickeys. Yeah, no, no back, no back hickeys for me. Thanks. Oh well, that's. They didn't offer it, and I and I probably would have declined as well because I think that's kind of bullshit. Um, oops, excuse me, (laughs) uh, baloney. Um, ding, beep beep that out. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, the um, uh, and I think the physical therapy tape might be a a load of baloney as well, but uh, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean. What do you, you might as well try something. I have a, um, a close friend who I uh, coach hockey and play hockey with who's got some uh, golfer's elbow, uh, which is oh, yeah. the opposite mm-hmm. of tennis elbow, yep. I think. Oh, it's the opposite or the same? I know. It's apparently the opposite. So huh. it's like a diff- It's a different tenon or it's a, oh, okay. on the oh, inside, okay. not the outside. Oh, oh okay. All right. Yeah. So it is the opposite. Cool. Yeah. But, um, but he, uh, um, he went for acupuncture and he was like, I don't think that – acupuncture actually worked it's just now i haven't really done anything in four weeks but the mm-hmm. day after the acupuncture it felt so much better he's like so whatever <laughs> i don't know You're like, i can't excise these things it probably had nothing to do with it but but it happened immediately afterwards <laughs> so. mm, i'd say that probably would be a benefit of uh acupuncture but uh, i mean you know whatever case control blah 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 oh uh, <laughs> nice um so yeah there you go um, so we got, we got that stuff going on. Uh, I've never been to physical therapy. Uh, you'd asked about that. I have mm-hmm. never, not, not once. That's uh, good. Oh, I, oh. I don't recommend it unless you need it. No, I, yeah, I won't go, uh, proactively. Uh, I did, <laughs> I did though, however, uh, receive a, a, a slight, uh, hockey related injury last night Uh-oh. Um, that may affect my podcasting. Oh my. Yeah. So, uh, I was uh, I was standing um, uh, uh, very close to the net as I was uh, screening the goaltender. Um, so that means uh, for the sports ball fans out there, um, I was standing in front of the goalie so he could not see the puck. Um, one of my teammates who was playing defense shot the puck uh, at the net. As this happened, I moved to the side to see if I could get a rebound. Um, at uh, the time that I turned my body... The puck that my uh, teammate shot uh, hit the goalie, was deflected off of him to, into my neck, like into oh my, my throat. Yeah. Oh, my God, Ben. I know. I know. It could have. I mean, it really could have been the end of my podcasting career. <clears throat> um, yeah. So it, uh, it's it, it's a little bit tender. And it's funny. It's like there's there's a, a bruise, um, you know, just just below like on, on my th- on my throatal region. I don't know. I just made that up. Um and uh and it it's like my um my 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 voice is a little cloudy today like i've i it's i can tell that I'm, there's like some swelling going on oh wow um, well so. i'm sorry to hear that you sound pretty good to me not um, not bad but no you sound fine <laughs> good good um so yeah um so anyway but i i'm like the i think the best part about this is the don within about 10 seconds of getting hit in the throat i scored a goal and then, I, and then I left the ice for a little bit to make sure I wasn't dying, and I and I wasn't. <laughs> um, so so that was good. 
Um, yeah, so played. Uh, we we won our hockey game last night. Uh, this is Gunga Lagunga. Uh, so now I have a I have a question to ask you. Is that um, that screening the goalie? Uh, that seems like um, not uh, not uh, not uh, cricket uh, to to mix my sports metaphors. It's not. It's not. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's it's definitely not cricket. Um, it's uh, yeah. it's not good. It's not good sportsmanship. Ben. Well, no, Seems, but it's, uh, it's so it, it is it is absolutely part of the game. Like my, right. my our goal. All right. Uh, is to obstruct his view so that a puck might make it through. OK. All right. Yeah. OK. Is fighting part of the game, too? Um, the, not part of my game. <laughs> All right, but it's part of <laughs> yeah. It's part of some. I, I I'm a I I I enjoy watching a hockey fight in the moment. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I get excited. I was like, oh man, those guys are really fighting each other. And then afterwards, and this has happened more in the last I don't know eight or ten years, where I think uh, that that was interesting. It probably didn't need to happen. And so I, I would be as as a long-term hockey enthusiast and, and big-time fan, I would be totally fine if they uh, uh, got got took fighting directly out of the, the game. I, I wouldn't miss it at all. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. And by the way, we, we will link to the um, uh, the Wikipedia page, uh, screen parentheses, ice hockey. Um, and uh, it, it says, uh, this article does not cite any sources. Help improve this article by adding citations to reliable sources. Uh, but I'm very tempted because at the end of the article, it, it, it lists uh, four people and said that they're known for screening goalies. And what I really want to do right now is add your name to that list. Number five. <laughs> Number five yeah. on the list. Yeah. Who are those? Exactly. What are those names? Give me the uh, Thomas Holstrom, Darcy Tucker, Ryan Kessler, and Ryan Smythe. Smith, and yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I I kind of fashion my game after uh, a little bit of Ryan Smith. So Smith. Okay. Yeah. There you go. He, he's known as uh, Captain Canada. In fact, is he uh, really? Yeah, he uh, played for the Edmonton Oilers for a long time, and then went and played for a couple other teams. But he also captain captained Team Canada at multiple uh, world championships because his team, the Edmonton Oilers was often out of the playoffs. And so oh, he could go sure. to the, to the, uh, uh, to the world championships because they coincide with the NHL playoffs. Ah, I see. So, I see. All right. Well, we'll, we will, we will also link to his Wikipedia page. Yeah. I like that guy. I like that guy a lot. <clears throat> uh, so, Hey, so uh, I got some, some more food safety talk to talk about. <laughs> well, kinda... Let's, let's do it. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Uh, so I, uh, Doug and I had a paper published this week. Oh, excellent. And it, and it was uh, a paper that has been uh, like a maybe three-year process. Um, and, and this is like no um, – Don, you know how sometimes the, the publishing process is slow? And, and every mm. once in a while you, – you're an editor. Every once mm. in a while I think sometimes like a uh, – especially if it's not like a – online submission format journal sometimes papers get lost like they sit with reviewers for a while and then they don't get here back and that's kind of what happened with one of our with this paper is um i one reviewer never submitted a review and and then they never told us and it was still in review for like uh nine or ten months that's uh, that's inexcusable. I, I have to true. say that i as a uh, as an editor i pride myself on my speed of editing. And also I know that if I do not <clears throat> do a good job and, and, and articles hang around too long, I will get 
a, a very polite uh, but very firm email uh, from um, my uh, editor in chief's assistant, who will uh, tell me to go do my job. So that, but that's, but that's that's inexcusable. Nine nine months yeah. is inexcusable. It, I, I I get I, there's so uh, we published in the uh, Journal of Environmental Health, and, and this uh, article um, is called "Going Public: Early Disclosure of Food Risks for the Benefit of Public Health." And I they you know I think. Um, it, you know, Journal of Environmental Health is is a journal that's run by the National Environmental Health Association, not unlike JFP and uh, and and IAFP, but but they don't um, you know they don't do like an online submission process. You email your manuscript directly to the editor. So I think you know they they okay. So it's so it's so it's online in that you're using electronic mail. You're not actually mailing dead trees through the post. True, true, true. But okay. but you know what I mean. Like there's no like. Back end of a right. It's not, it's not a website, right? Yeah. It's, it's, there's a guy in an office who's who's got email. Yeah. Yeah. The, and and the one you know the the thing with the website ones is they they, they it allows you to track it, right? Like you, right, things right, should right, get right. lost. Yeah. So so I, I'm kind of like you know maybe they need to invest in that, but in the absence of that, I can see how things get misplaced or or mistracked. Um. So anyway, it got published and it's uh um it, the the whole article. Um, really is is us, uh, and there's another co-author, um, Sol um, Erdosian, um, who was an undergraduate student that worked with Doug, and, and she um, pulled together some of the background research for this paper a while ago. Um, we, uh, we we took the the Paul Mead statement, which which we've talked about multiple times, and in fact, mm-hmm. I had to find for this paper, I had to find the exact quote. Oh, excellent! Uh, which, which I will uh, find it any, anywhere than other than on my website. <laughs> I think it was directly from your website. Oh, uh, excellent! I, but I, I don't know. I can't remember for sure. But the quote that I have is: "Food safety recalls are always either too early or too late. If you're right, it's always too late. If you're wrong, it's always too early." Yep, um, that's the quote. And, and uh, that be, that that's really the central theme of of the um, uh, of the paper, which is nice. we go through a bunch of case studies and say, "Look." Um, Sometimes you're going to be too late. Sometimes you're going to be too early. We we get everybody gets that there are consequences of that that are. And, and in fact, we have a section sort of about um, the unintended consequences of getting information out. Um, and but but what we really argue in the you know at the end of the review is just have a plan. Like it doesn't it doesn't really matter how, you know doing this in an ad hoc or case by case way where you sometimes name things and sometimes don't and sometimes go public and sometimes don't that really doesn't serve public health very well. Just have a plan and and so we we adapted um, a, a bunch of um, I, I guess important risk communication questions on how to communicate for that plan for external and internal. Um, questions. And, and so, for instance, um, you know, here are things that should weigh into when you go public. Who's at risk? Um, how many people are at risk? Are vulnerable, vulnerable populations at risk? Um, uh, is there a potential for fatalities? Is the public already aware of this risk or is this a brand new risk? So if we look at soy nut butter, um, you know, the outbreak that's going on right now, um, it, it, you know, that that's a a to you and I, not a big surprise. We've seen uh, salmonella and E. coli um, and listeria in, in some low, low moisture foods, um, but but does you know does the public know about it? And and is there um, is, is it a familiar risk? 
Um, uh, and and so yeah, we we kind of put put together this a little bit of a framework and say don't don't just don't wing it because it because yeah. you look you look foolish if you wing it and and you and not only do you look fo- foolish that's actually a secondary issue you, you could it could really impact public health if you if, if you don't really have a plan on this yeah so 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 uh before i do want to talk about uh soy nut butter um but before i do um i want to take this opportunity to ask you um could you send me a copy because it says uh neha members uh, log in and download articles for free and i am not a neha member um yes, and- so i i would like a copy and then also related to that um i don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast but rutgers is now requiring all faculty to post to upload preprints for every article that they publish. And so basically the way that they get around copyright on that is that if you they want you to once your article is accepted, they want you to upload the the PDF um, before it's typeset um, uh, to a server at the university. So um, so so number one, I'm, I'm asking for a copy. And number two, um, do, are you required to do that or what's, uh, uh, what do you think of that? Uh, I, I'm not required to do that. And I, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sort of just digesting that. Um, yeah, yeah, we can, we can come back to it another time, but, uh, it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass because I, it's not part of my workflow. Um, but on the other hand, I could see how it would be really useful. Um, and I've tried to, as much as I can remember, uh, once I, and again, the trick is like, okay, once the article is accepted, like that's the time when you need to remember to do it. Not, not later when you, after the, you get right. the typeset copy. And then, so you just sort of need to do that. And then, uh, and then if you just re- train yourself that every time you have an article accepted, you upload it, um, uh, then, then you know you're good to go. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. No, that's not something that we've uh, that we've encountered, um, or I've encountered yet. Oh. So yeah. But you're right. It kind of like it might mess up the workflow a little bit. But once you once you know about it, you can at least adjust for it. Yep. Huh. Um. Yeah. So you should have a copy. By the way, it's in the thank uh, you podcast uh, um, notes file. Thanks. Um. But yeah. So. So anyway, it was kind of exciting to have this one finally come out because it's been sitting there for quite some time. Good. Well, that's that's congratulations. It sounds like a good one. I look forward to uh, to taking a look at it. Thanks so much. So so let's talk about soy nut butter. Yeah, let's talk about soy nut butter. All right. So I, I will I will set this up. Um, so first of all, uh, I, I I'm I'm really sorry that people are sick, but I have to point out it is it is hilarious to me. The name of the brand of soy nut butter is I period M period healthy. I know. Okay. So know. we shouldn't make fun if people are sick uh, and or potentially dying, but but uh, I am healthy brand soy nut butter apparently uh, not so healthy. So uh, here is the update uh, on the FDA website from March seventh. Uh, the the soy nut butter company. Uh, so that's a, a capital S soy capital N nut, one word, um, uh, butter company has recalled all lots of I am healthy soy nut butter and I am healthy granola because they may be contaminated with shigatoxin producing uh, E. coli 0157H7 bacteria. Um, all Best Buy dates. So this is basically, this is anything this company has ever made. Um, all different sizes, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, CDC has announced that they are investigating 16 illnesses related to this outbreak in nine states. The most recent illness started on February 21st, 2017. Um, so one thing that to me was very interesting about this, and we will uh, we will also link to the uh, CDC um, uh, page on this. One of the things that was very interesting to me um, is, and I always look for this: uh, are there are there cases in New Jersey and the and the distribution of cases in this state is quite interesting. So it uh, there are cases in Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, Wisconsin, Missouri, Virginia, New Jersey, and Maryland. And so um, uh, three to four people in California and Arizona, two people in Oregon, and then all those other states that I mentioned, just a single person ill. Um, the epi curve is a not really much of a curve. Um, it's uh, it's basically one 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 case one case a day uh, with two cases uh, uh, on the twenty uh, sixth of uh, January, um, and then uh, illnesses in this the time frame from um, mid February forward uh, still yet to be reported. There's four reported in that time frame, but more more still to be reported. And so, uh, yeah, so there may be uh, there may be something else, uh, you know, more, 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 more news to come on this. Um, so, uh, yeah. So what do you think about this and what what's going on? Well, I mean, I, I, I like I've, I've been working on a um, on a post for for Barf Blog, sort of looking at um, the longer history of um, soy nut uh, butter, um, low moisture spreads, hummus and 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 different different pathogens and um you know i I look at this probably similar to uh what we've seen in the past with uh with peanut butter and and um and other and and maybe maybe more like peanut butter than than anything else where you have a a product that may that that's roasted that that roasting process may or may not be um uh, validated as a kill step for pathogens. Um, it's it's E. coli one five seven H seven, and um, we know from um, you know some work that uh, Lynn McMullen did that there are absolutely some um, some strains of O one five seven that are um, really heat resistant. So you know it, it'll be interesting from a molecular standpoint to see if this is one of those heat resistant strains. Um, and I, I don't, the distribution to me, um, you know, I, I, I pay less uh, attention to that. I, I do the same thing. I'm like, are there people in North Carolina? And, but, I, but I pay less attention to it for, for things like this where you've got um, a short – or sorry, a long shelf life. And it's, we're not really sure about what types of products. And so you could see – you know, it's a you know likely a very low level of contamination, maybe associated with just a couple of lots or one lot, maybe um, of uh, of a product, but maybe it was packed into um, different sizes that are shipped in, in you know to different shipments and at different retailers. So you know, all of these things may be um, you know all linked essentially to 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 one one contamination event. Well, and uh, and I again the the March seventh update. It's um, all lots. Um, the yeah. original the original outbreak was a limited number of lots, and so what that clearly says to me, and I, I'm curious to see whether you agree, the fact that it is now all lots. What that says to me is that they uh, have some problems with their 
cleanup and sanitation. And when FDA got in there and started looking around, they realized that they the company could not show a clean break uh, anywhere in their sanitation. And therefore, the result, the, the uh, recall is expanded to all lots of everything. Yeah, it, exactly. Like that. that's <clears throat> the same thing. You know, we we've talked about recall creep. Um, in mm. the past, and that's that's exactly what I'm what, what I'm seeing here um, as well. That, um, and it, it becomes this lesson that I don't know if people are learning, which is if you're gonna recall something, be, best be sure that you have um, all your cleaning and sanitation validated, and that you have logs and you've got records because what you think is a lot better meet the same standards for a sanitary clean break that that FDA has. And if it doesn't, then you're recalling everything, right? Like if you're if and in, and and here's the I think the the issue with um with with low moisture foods like this is it's probably like you don't want to add water into your system, right? So your sanitation program is, is you know zero water or low water um which which is like problematic for trying to reduce your, your lot size and and establish a clean break. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I think, uh, certainly big companies know this, uh, because they've been bitten by recall creep in the past. I, uh, I'm trying to look for, you know, something about the, the company, uh, website or something. My, my sense from looking at the 1970s style, um, logo on this product is this is not a big company. Uh, this, this is a very sort of niche, uh, niche product, niche company, um, I, you know, I don't, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not seeing a website anywhere, uh, for the company. So I'm thinking that they really just are a small company, right. Or, 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 uh, you know, probably meet the FDA's definition. Certainly they're not a big, large company they're, they maybe are a medium size, but I would say, you know, I, it just doesn't, doesn't seem to me like this is a big company. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. So I do, I, I'll uh, shoot your, shoot you their, uh, website. Cause I did find okay. it. It is. Um, maybe a little harder to uh, um, to find because it is not uh, I am healthy. It is soynutbutter.com. Found it. Yep. Yeah, they're the early. Yep. Er, they you know they nailed that down at the start of the internet mm-hmm. uh, to get uh, to get that. But I agree. I mean, once you, you kind of look through it, um, it's not super um, super clear uh, how large uh, it, it is. You can you know so Harris Teeter, one of our. Uh, uh, retailers here in uh, in North Carolina uh, stocks this um, product, or you can get it there. There, you know, they they list a whole bunch of different folks here um, on their website. But I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I've never really sort of looked for it. I haven't, you know, as part of this process either. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so yeah. Um. Yeah. Inter- I mean, interesting uh, outbreak. Another. I mean, breaking news. Uh, um, and uh, outbreak that's a little more like uh, you know tragic is uh, yesterday uh, CDC announced a listeria outbreak linked to soft uh, raw milk cheeses uh, with um, six uh, illnesses and uh, six hospitalizations and two deaths. Uh, so another and this one uh, has led to a, um, a recall of um, uh, these uh, cheeses from Volto Creamery. 
and uh, yeah. In this one. Yeah, six people hospitalized, two people from Connecticut and Vermont have died. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, listeria in, uh, uh, you know, raw milk cheese, especially soft cheese, uh, it's a problem. It's a, it's, a, it's a big problem. So let's see. So where is this, uh, this Volto Creamery, where is the company based? Um, that's a good question. I think they are in Connecticut. Okay. No, no, uh, no they're in New York. New York. Um, okay. Yeah, just sorry, going through the CDC. Walton, Walton, um, New York. Yep. Yeah, New York Division of Milk Control and Dairy Services collected three intact wheels of Ouliot cheese from Volto Creamery during a joint inspection with the FDA. Um, the outbreak strain of uh, LM was identified in samples taken from those three wheels on March 7th. And they recalled everything. Uh, I think it was yesterday, the 8th, that they um, they pulled, pulled everything. Um, it's a, uh, a soft wash rind raw milk cheese. Oh, this and one of the one illness was reported in a newborn. So this must be a mother that uh, that ate. Oh my God, Ben! Why? Why is a pregnant woman eating raw milk, soft cheese? I just so, this in this day and age, it just yeah. boggles my mind. I I wonder, like, yeah, I, I guess part of it is I think a lot of the messaging is is to women who are pregnant, and I and I know that. Um, you know, I've got lots of you know friends that are uh, ha- you know have have recently been pregnant. You know, we have kids that mm-hmm. are, are all around the same age, and and I know Danny at the end of her pregnancy, she's like, I just want to have a glass of wine, and and so like mm-hmm. you, so that that also could be a situation here where um, it's important also when you know that listeria can be can be passed. You know, when when nursing, I, I think. I mean, I think that's our oh. situation, mm-hmm. right? So. Uh. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and obviously. Uh, so again, reading from the CDC webpage, um, ill people range in age from less than one year—that's the newborn—to 89 years. And you know, uh, I, I hope at 89 years uh, I will uh, still be alive and uh, not eating raw milk cheese because that's just a bad idea if you're 89 years old. You know, yeah. it's a, a bad idea. There's other stuff to to eat then, right? Yes, I I think there's always other stuff to eat. I, I'm yeah, I'm and I'm you know I uh, I like an occasional soft cheese, but I again I'm just not uh, I don't know if if I I don't know I just I just don't I just don't think it's worth the risk. Yeah, you know I just don't think it's worth the risk. Um, <clears throat> speaking of being of risk, do you have anything else on this outbreak? No, that's it. That's all I got. Because I want to talk about sandboxes. <laughs> oh, sandboxes. So. Uh, so we uh, we're we're going to talk about uh, an article that uh, just came out um, in uh, MMWR uh, Ben's favorite journal, uh, entitled "An Outbreak of Salmonella Typhimurium Associated with Playground Sand in a Preschool Setting." And uh, just to give the the, the listeners of this podcast, uh, I almost said the readers of this podcast, uh, the listeners of this podcast, a little bit of inside baseball. Um, you shared this with myself and uh, a couple of our colleagues, um, who who may or may not listen to the podcast. One of them I think does. <clears throat> and, uh, that, that colleague, um, uh, replies uh, to us. I love that the solution is to close the playground and remove the trees that <laughs> birds are roosting in like that will help. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and your comment when you sent this to us is, uh, because you always need an animal host for salmonella. So, so Ben, tell us, uh, please do tell us about this outbreak and why, why you think it's interesting. Well, so, um, one of, uh, w- one of our friends and who I will out, um, it, uh, Michelle Daniluk and who listens to the podcast, she'll probably be the first one to listen to this. Um, she, she and I, 
um, over the last 10 years have, have talked about the perception out there that if it's salmonella, it comes from animals. And, and our other uh, good friend, uh, Linda Harris, um, who's, who's going to be the start of the podcast because i got to talk about Linda in a second again anyway. Um, she, you know, her, uh, the work that she has done in nuts and with almonds and especially when, when Michelle was, was with her during her uh, PhD in, um, and postdoc, uh, really looked at it, it, answering the question of can you have salmonella that just persist in soil – over time, and and I think the answer is clearly yes. Yes, <laughs> like it's not even. <laughs> yes, it's not even a. But but the but but you know the the inside joke with Michelle is that multiple times if there people are are constantly, I think erroneously saying, well, it can't just be in the soil. It can't just. It's it's got to come from it, somewhere. Or or it can't just be in the water. It right? can't just be in the water. There's animals that are that are putting it putting it there. And then here's you know. So I saw this today in MMWR, um, and and it's exactly it's you know it's a it's it goes into the uh, the book of well it's probably not the animals except the way to manage it. Let's get rid of the trees and the and the birds. It's probably yeah. just in the sand. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I would say probably. The way to start, well, you know, <clears throat> way to start is getting rid of the sand. But on the other hand, like, think about this, Ben. If this was a playground where your kids played, if your kids were in preschool, what would you do to solve the problem, right? Are you gonna Are you gonna take a risk based scientific approach and minimally just minimally change it, and then wait and see if there's more kids get sick? Right, right. I mean, right. I mean, again, we don't we don't have full information and 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 whatnot. But but I think the easy solution is to just to literally, you know, nuke and not literally, but to to nuke and pave, right? To yep. to basically scorch, you know, scorch earth, right? We're gonna go in and we're gonna do we're gonna we're yes, there's there might be there might be five or six things we could do to fix this problem. Guess what? Because we care about our kids and we want to make this playground quote unquote safe, we're just gonna go and do all of those things. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, it's easy for us to sit in our in our ivory tower uh, armchairs here and, and and tell them what they should have done. But you know, again, I would say if it's your kid, we maybe you're gonna think that you're gonna think that differently. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And and maybe like you said, the the answer is let's do a whole bunch of different things, um, including take down the trees, <laughs> right? Like like right. like let's not just. Uh, um, uh, let, let, let's totally change the landscape of this whole of the, of the whole thing. Um, I yeah, it, I I like. I mean, what I what I like um, not that people are getting sick, but I like that MMWR is publishing something like this. Like this, this is it lends credibility to. Um, it's not just always animals. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, this is great. I mean, and and the fact that it's not a U.S. outbreak, it's a it's a it's an outbreak from Madrid, Spain. I think is 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 quite uh, is quite interesting. So yeah. So so let's see. Uh, yeah. So let me let me read to you from the outbreak because I think uh, from the report because I think there's some interesting stuff here. So on the day the outbreak was first reported, the facilities were inspected and meal service personnel were interviewed. Samples of potable water and available food prepared during the two days before symptoms began were collected. No pathogens detected. Uh, epi curve suggested an ongoing common source. The only recognized common source exposures attending the early childhood education section of the school, which included children aged three to five and the use of the school playground. No animals kept at the school. School management hypothesized school's playground, which contained all of the school's playground equipment, 
might have been contaminated with animal feces. The area is quite large and covered with loose sand and numerous trees in which birds roost. On October 10 and November 3, samples from the sand from five playground locations were collected. One sample on each date grew salmonella of the same serotype that was identified from the infected children. Both positive samples corresponded to the area of the playground containing swings, seesaws, and slides. So... I mean, they did do kind of an interesting, uh, interesting, uh, you know, uh, uh, survey there. Uh, it says the temporal distribution and microbiologic results suggested the most likely cause was contact with playground sand contaminated with feces from birds that usually nest in trees above the playground. So, you know, I mean, that does make sense. We do have salmonella in birds, and we don't really know uh, whether the, the salmonella would persist. I mean, I guess if you were doing an experiment, you would close the playground <laughs> cut down the trees right. and then sample the heck out of the sand and see if it goes away. Right. Um, because, because that should solve the problem. But, uh, yeah. So but, anyway, but, uh, yeah. but we do know that salmonella persists in almond orchard soil, right? Like, absolutely. So, so and, and I, and I, so we could, um, I, you know, I don't, I won't, don't want to overstep and say we can make an assumption that it, that it persists because this is sand and it's maybe a little different, um, you know, structure, um, and, and nutrient base, but, um, but, but, it, and, and this is the, the thing. And, and I, uh, the, the part that I, you know, thought was so interesting about it was it might not be the, it might not be the, the birds. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it might be, some, but, but you could see how someone might draw that yet, uh, that, that likely conclusion, um, but it could be other things. It, it could have been some dirty kid like my kid who just like t- took a crap in the sandbox, you know, three years ago. Well, <laughs> now the article, the, that's true. The article does say uh, this strain has been identified at the National Laboratory from wild and domestic birds, a personal communication from somebody who works at the laboratory. So this is a strain that has been isolated from wild and domestic birds. So that uh, there is at least yeah. that there's a link there. Right. Yeah. So it's not, it's not proven. Um, and we don't, we don't know whether it was, ju- if it just established in the sand or whether it was constantly being reintroduced by, by these birds. Right. So again, it's, it's like most outbreaks. We just, we'll, we don't have full information. We never will have full information. The, the objective is to fix the problem. Uh, so the kids stop getting sick. Right. Which, which they hopefully have done. Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah. And, and um, it, it just goes into the, uh, you know, the big box of uh, outbreak stories that we can share and say, hey, look, it's it's complicated. Right. And I, you know, and this whole area of, of bacterial survival is one that we've been getting interested in. And we've, I've got a, a graduate student now who's working on uh, looking at uh, the effect of temperature and relative humidity and surface type on survival of a bunch of different types of microorganisms. And, and I kind of got interested in this because of the work that Linda had done um, with, um, you know, looking at survival on on almonds. And, and again, and she's really, you know, pioneered a lot of this stuff. Um, and it's, it's just an interesting area. And it's something that we just really don't understand as much as well as we understand growth. And I, and I really think, um, and, and also looking at 
biological versus non-biological surface surfaces. So my graduate student, uh, Jenny Todd, is going to be defending her PhD uh, next week. Um, and it looks like uh, even if there's a snowstorm, we're going we're gonna to try to do it uh, via distance uh, learning remote uh, technology. So we won't have to reschedule in the event of a snowstorm, which is kind of interesting given that it's 64 degrees in New Jersey right now. And we're going to have a snowstorm on Tuesday uh, in, 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 in less than a week, which is kind of bizarre. But, um, but Jenny's done some work looking at survival of salmonella on tomatoes as a, as a function of, uh, relative humidity. And it turns out relative humidity does make a difference, but, but we really don't understand this, right? Like, like again, and Linda's shown, um, survival in this almond orchard uh, persistent over a long, long period of time. But, but the mechanisms behind that and the, and the, the science behind that and, and like, oh, okay, so what's causing it to persist and what are the factors that influence persistence? You know, I, I know we talked about, I don't know if this is public knowledge, but we talked about that in the particular orchard where they can find salmonella a lot. Um, the, 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 there's not, there's more shade than in a typical orchard. And so right. obviously, you know, cells are sensitive to UV light. Um, and there's also probably heat going on if you have versus, you know, shade and not shade. And then again, it's just so, so there's just so many factors that we don't understand. And I guess I would, I would like to know more about the sand. Uh, I would like to know, which I probably will never learn, but, but certainly we could learn about, um, uh, what the weather is like in Madrid, Spain, how much rain do they get? get. Um, and we probably won't ever know about the drainage of the sandbox, but how much rain do they get? What's the ambient relative humidity, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's to me, it's, it's a new area that we're just starting to get into with some of our research that I think is, is really quite important and probably needs additional study. Um, not just, not just in the laboratory, but in, you know, what are the factors that influence survival in plant environments? And again, really, really important for, for nut processing or uh, processing of other dried, uh, dried food products. So anyway, just, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting times. Absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll throw in just a, um, a plug for, uh, the workshop that I put on at, uh, um, the, uh, food safety education, uh, meeting that we talked about in the last, uh, um, podcast that, uh, Natalie Seymour, who works for me, uh, organized and, and where we talked about flour when all the microbiology mm -hmm. that you just talked about is not just a, um, an almond sandbox, uh, soy nut issue, but it's also a flower, right? Like it's, it's, it's the same kind of stuff. And, and just the, the fascinating aspect of, um, and I, I want to, I want to bring it up again because it, it came up in, in discussions that I had this week with a couple other people. Um, you know, the, the idea that, um, yeah, we could heat treat all the flour except that we couldn't bake cakes because it just doesn't perform the same way. Um, once it's been heat treated, we can make a lot of cookies. And so like being able to understand the mechanism of contamination, that persistence, the why really helps us figure out how to control it, not just, you know, like, and, and understand because we're not going to get it out of the uh, wheat fields and we're not likely going to change the way that we, um, run grain elevators and, and the milling process. And, and we can't heat treat it because that, you know, messes with the properties, um, of exactly why people are buying it. So like that, it's a really like fascinating, um, situation, I think with all that. Well, and in fact, I was making the exact same point earlier today to the saffron people, right? It's like, you, yeah, sure, you could control pathogens in saffron. You just have to make it be something that no longer resembles saffron that nobody wants to use for anything, right? I mean, right, it's right. easy. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, so there's, there's always going to be uh, trade-offs between safety and quality there. And, and the more you understand about the pathogen, the more you understand about the means to inactivate it, hopefully the, the more you can uh, produce saffron that people want to actually cook with or flour that people actually can bake cakes with. So, yeah. It's, it's kind of fascinating, like, to look at this in a big picture kind of situation because this conversation that we're having today isn't a conversation that, that we probably had 15 years ago. Right. Like, right. Like, like, and, and now, you know, obviously we're not the only ones. There's so many people that are working in this area. Produce is another, another one. You well, know. I was going to say 30, 30 years ago, we were talking about the risk from meat and eggs because right. everybody knows that pro produce doesn't make you sick. It's <laughs> right? yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. So like being in this, in this world through a couple of waves of this now, because I kind of, I, yep. I kind of arrived at the start of produce when it was all, mm -hmm. when, when gaps were new and, mm -hmm. and you know, post uh, 96 outbreak. And then the, I, I would put this low moisture foods world starting with almonds through peanut butter, you know, two big outbreaks of peanut butter. And then everything that's really happened in the last six years on this as another like wave of things that we had not really thought about. And, and it's like, what, you know, what's next, right? Like that, that's the, right. the billion dollar question that, that neither of us will probably be able to, to predict, but, but 10 years from now, we're going to be talking about something else like, you know, hepatitis E and in, in, I don't know, um, Diet Coke or something. <laughs> I looked at the Diet Coke on my, <laughs> that, that is currently sitting on my table. So, uh, Diet Coke, Diet Coke is safe. Uh, Diet don't worry, don't worry folks. Um, but, uh, but, but yes, I mean, you know, and, and well, and, and looking at viruses, right. I mean, and, you right, know, right. I think for, you know, so many, and we still, Ben, there's still so many outbreaks where we don't have a cause. Now we know a, a lot of those are due to norovirus, but, but even after you factor out norovirus, there's still, you know, disease outbreaks where you don't know the cause. And, and we still don't understand, uh, necessarily all we need to about viruses and, and norovirus. And at least now, um, thanks to, uh, uh, thanks to NoroCore, we have a, what appears to be a method for culturing norovirus, which should help us with research there. But I'm still fascinated and, and, and will be for some time because I've got a PhD student working on this, the, the you know, uh, 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 viruses in frozen berries uh, and, and, and again, norovirus risk in general, um, you know, and again, I would say cross-contamination too, to a certain extent, hand-washing, which has sort of been taking off lately, but also cross-contamination is another topic near and dear to my heart. You know, what role does cross-contamination play out? Well, probably... Uh, uh, at least according to the FDA uh, and according to I am healthy uh, the soy nut butter folks, uh, probably there was some cross contamination, you know, cleanup issues there. Uh, again, probably leading to that that uh, recall creep. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, there's there's going to be something new coming up, and uh, and the 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 good the good ones among us will will catch that wave early and and hopefully, uh, um, you know, keep on doing good work uh, trying to make the food supply safe. Well, yeah, exactly, and and. Um it's, you know, I, some, some people would kind of joke. It's like, oh, there's, you know, job security. Um, I don't, I don't really like that. Um, <laughs> I like, I like that there's a lot more to learn so we can do a better job protecting public health. Um, it's also job security, babe. It, I know it's job security, but come on. We're, you don't, you don't want to say it. Don't you think we're, in that way. don't you, don't you feel like we're like, I don't know, smart enough, well, lucky enough dudes that we would probably find a job somewhere else anyway. 
Oh, oh, the, yes. Yeah. This, is, this is this is oh, the, absolutely. This is true, right? Yeah. Job security for people who want to be lazy. Um, but you know, like <laughs> like Bill, like Bill Marler says, I would love to be out of business, right? Right, right. Hey, out of business, right? And I think I think he genuinely means that. Yeah, he's ready to retire. I think that's what he's saying. Yeah. Um, uh, Bill's they've Bill's done some some uh, like nice stuff this this week. I don't know if you've been um, following some food safety news, but they. They had, uh, um, I don't know if it was on Food Safety News or on Marler blog, but uh, they did went through uh, Freedom of Information Act to get a whole bunch of information about an outbreak that happened at this uh, restaurant, uh, Bar 145, and we'll link to, link to that. Cool. Um, and this was back related to the Wolverine packing E. coli 157H7 outbreak in, I think it was 2014, maybe 2013. Uh, but this uh, restaurant, I think they're in... Um, I think it's in Indianapolis. Uh, they uh, advertise that you know it's called Bar One Forty Five because you want to cook your burgers to one forty five. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then, it's an Ohio based gastro oh, pub maybe specialized in undercooked burgers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so that you know um, they uh, they did some some digging around on that, which was kind of cool. And then uh, uh, he wrote about uh, about the president and and food safety stuff. And it was uh, it was pretty good. So so anyway, check out. I'll link. I'll send you these links. We can put them um, into into show notes. But there's yeah a couple of good couple of good uh, Marler blog posts this week. Yeah. So yeah, and we'll. I, I've already found the uh, I've already found the the bar one forty five one from from Food Safety News. And uh, yeah, I mean, and and FOIA requests are a, a pain in the butt, but it and often it is the only way to find uh, to find stuff out. And so yeah, I don't know. This 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 place sounds pretty good. Uh, bar one forty five burger bans bourbon. Yeah. What? what? Bur- well, it's their logo. It says bar one forty five degrees, and then it's burger bans bourbon. Ah, I would think it should be, you know, as in as in music, but. Why isn't it burgers, bands, bourbons? It, that bugs me. <laughs> Only the bands are plural. It's like they just have one bourbon, one burger, and a whole lot of bands. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Also, I thought you were saying that they were banning bourbon, which no, that would be God, trouble. That would be yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That would be that'd be awful. That'd be like pro, bringing prohibition back. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, I did see. I did see this one on the president and safe food, and there's a lovely picture of. Uh, uh, his trumpfulness um, uh, eating uh, McDonald's. So and uh, hey, uh, and a diet coke, Ben. Uh, so hey, yeah. you know, props yeah. again. And, and for sure, uh, for sure, uh, McDonald's uh, food is 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 pretty darn safe. And uh, diet coke is uh, is a good is a good product. Uh, it's m- one of my go to uh, products. So, you know, that's nice. Um, but I don't as much as and I do. I know there are people from McDonald's who listen. Um, so as much as they would love um, for the solution to food safety be everyone eats at McDonald's, um, you know, that's great. I mean, they, they do a great job with respect to food safety, but uh, uh, probably we need more than just um, uh, McDonald's uh, for everybody to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. We need, we need other, uh, other sources. Um, I, yeah. I had a um, – speaking of McDonald's, I, I, yesterday I – um, co co taught a workshop uh, for some uh, extension agents. We run a annual get together just for family consumer science agents, um, and uh, so my my colleague Dara Bloom, who I've mentioned on the podcast before, she's our 
uh, local foods uh, specialist who does research in local food systems. Um, she talked about standards um, for food, like things like organic and G, uh, GMO free, just like to sort of talk about what the standards are and how these labels get applied and how it's you know verified and and things like that. And then I talked about um, food regulations um, and. In my like hour and a half, I I think I sufficiently confused everyone by saying, "Oh, there's like 40 different agencies." If you go from local, state, and federal, who do some sort of food safety on meals in you know in North Carolina, um, but but one of the things that came up, we were talking about um, uh, raised without antibiotics as as a marketing tool and how um, how McDonald's. Um, I read something, and we Darren and I uh, talked about this, but they're they're looking at um, you know launching, I think, a raised without antibiotics program, um, and I want to make sure I confirm that uh, before I go too much further. Um, and and anyway, so someone someone talked about. Um, yeah, so here it is. McDonald's now serving chicken uh, uh, raised without antibiotics. So, so one of the extension agents said, you know, does it surprise you that someone who goes to McDonald's is making a decision on, you know, they're, they're eating at McDonald's, but they're concerned about chickens raised without antibiotics? And, and I think her point was those two things don't go together, right? Like if someone's eating McDonald's, it's already unhealthy. And, and so my, my response was, no, it doesn't surprise me at all because consumers like are not predictable. We can't, you know, there there are people out there that want to eat at McDonald's and want to eat, uh, you know, chicken that was raised without antibiotics, and there are people that want to eat chicken that is raised with antibiotics that are that eat at McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like none none of nothing you could tell me about um, a consumer perception or preference would surprise me at this point. Well, but so now wait a minute. Let me let me differentiate there because I I yes, there might be people that eat at McDonald's that want foods raised without antibiotics. I don't think anyone is seeking foods that are raised with antibiotics. <laughs> no. It's more it's this important point, Ben. It is, it is. I'm sorry. I was I think I'm the, trying the, to make the a... point would be I don't care. Yes, yes. Right? Okay, I just I, I want to make sure Good I wasn't point. missing something. No, I mean, no, you're no. the communications expert. You got it. you 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 nailed it. You nailed it. Okay. Yeah. No, you're you're exactly exactly right. But you, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yes. I don't think you can say, oh, this person needs a McDonald's, and this is what they're like. Right. Like, and and they're they don't care about food safety, or they really care about food safety, or it's it's all of this stuff's a continuum, and there there's no that I mean that's what the people in the marketing world. Um, deal with all you know all the time when it comes to to sales um they, they you know so so i don't know i i, I guess well yeah yeah and, and reading reading so there's an npr article uh from the yep. salt uh from last summer that will or uh yeah last summer that we'll link to and one of the things it says in that article is that mcdonald's isn't the first to make this shift panera and chipotle began moving towards antibiotic free meat more than a decade ago uh, chick-fil-a made a, a commitment back in 2014 uh to work with suppliers to remove all antibiotics um there's pressure from groups like nrdc uh you know calling uh on on these companies to to you know to um uh, stop doing this and so, you know, it maybe it's. I mean, maybe it's not. Well, it's it's not consumer food safety related. Right. Um, it may be optics or marketing related. 
but it may also be like public health related, right? So generally, we know that antibiotic resistant bacteria are a problem. I think, unfortunately, the science is still ambiguous about how much animal agriculture, the use of antibiotics in animal agriculture, you know, uh, plays into that. And and certainly, I think there's an increasing awareness that subtherapeutic use of antibiotics is something that ought to be um, discontinued, at least. I mean, that's my perception of, of what the science is. And again, I'm not, this is not my area of expertise. Um, on the other hand, if an animal gets sick, you need to be able to treat it. I think as, as and again, there's, there's a whole lot of interest. There's, there's food safety, there's public health, there's animal rights or, or animal, animal health issues going on. And, and there's just a lot of sort of competing things, pushing, pushing different directions. But I think you're, you're right. I mean, and McDonald's is definitely moving uh, more in line with at least what some of the other progressive companies are doing in, in terms of this. But that's yeah, and it's it must be confusing as heck to try to explain this um, to even 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 your your colleagues, who are I would say more scientifically literate than the general public. Uh, but but I can see how it would be a, a definitely a challenge. Right, right, and and the I guess the the takeaway part for me, and that I that I think it, it's it's important for all of us in the food world to to um, keep in mind is that. By sliding people, even um, subconsciously, into groups of like consumer types, we we immediately um, can ostracize certain groups without even knowing it, and then our messages are turned off. Right? Like, um, what one of my colleagues shared a, an example when we were talking about this yesterday uh, about touring a um, one of the um, biotech uh crop biotech companies uh here in raleigh um with a bunch of new professors as part of a tour and the communications person who was leading this tour just really kept like um you know and this is you know obviously second secondary information but as it was really related to me you just kept saying like people who want only organic food just don't understand or and, and just, you know, constantly making comments about that. And by, by putting gr- people in, into a group, you, you may have these unintended consequences where it's like, of course, they don't believe you because you keep telling them that they're wrong kind of kind of situation. So, right. so, you know, like the idea that, that all consumers act this way or, or this group of consumers acts this way is, is I, I think, becomes problematic, especially in – you know, in the world that we have with Reddit and social media and people identifying with lots of different groups and polarized issues. Uh, yes, ag- agreed. And that's not that's probably not an appropriate thing for a communications person to be doing. I mean, I appreciate that you have a perspective, but and I always try and I try in this podcast and I try in my talks as well to differentiate between when I have and what what is fact or what what appears to be scientific fact and what is my opinion and where and where I have an opinion that's supported by more knowledge on my part. Like I'm I've, I'm real comfortable talking about um, 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 uh, antimicrobial soap, right? And right. I'm real comfortable talking about hand washing and uh, and microbial risk and statistical sampling. Um, I'm less comfortable talking about risks of GMO and risks of antibiotic use. I'm aware and I follow those issues, but but I certainly don't feel like I'm an expert, and so I'm going to always try to qualify that. And, and my gosh, as a communications person, I would think that you would be trying especially to to really walk a more nuanced line there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And 
and just um, I don't know, recognize that like I, I'm really overt about it when when I, when I do talk about these things. Like like when someone um, when we have these conversations, um, I, I try to be really clear. Like lots of people make decisions for lots of different reasons. I make a lot of decisions because of microbial food safety, right? Like that's my that's my that that's the thing that I that I value that I'm really passionate about. And so it, 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 you know, like take, take that, uh, um, take my, my advice with my bias in mind. Right. Right. Like, like right. I don't, I don't pretend to be unbiased and right. Um, right. And, and you're, and you're also going to make decisions about smoking and, um, uh, alcohol use and whether you want to wear a seatbelt uh, you're going to make decisions about, you know, what kind of kid your your what kind of school your kids go to, and you may have less expertise in those areas. But that doesn't mean that you're like it doesn't mean that you have to have a PhD in education to decide that it's the right thing for your kid to change their school, right? Right, I right, mean, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. you you can have an opinion as a parent, and that's and that's fine, you know. And if someone wants to change your opinion with with facts, that's yeah. fine too. That that's that's okay. But but don't just dismiss people. Because you're so sure that you you have all the answers, right? It, that that is exactly it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, um, and that's a hard that's a hard thing to do. I think when people, um, when people go to the internet and read a lot of stuff that they agree with, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, and one of the things that I one of my favorite favorite quotes is you know that I tell to people students that are in my lab is that they give you a bachelor's degree when you think you know everything, a master's when you realize you don't know anything, and a PhD when you realize that nobody else really knows anything either. Yeah, and, yeah. and 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 with that, with that in mind, um, you know, go out into the world, uh, future future PhD candidate, right? Uh, don't you know you we, you're you're all of a sudden you're aware of just how little we know about anything. Anything. By the time you take some particular area and you really dig into it in great de- in great depth, yeah, absolutely, and and that's the fun of it all, right? Right, like, right. <laughs> that's the that's the draw. It, it it's it's funny. Like I don't know when there was uh, thinking back to my my undergraduate to graduate school transition process. Um, uh, as an undergrad, you know, I think I had classes where I, it was required that I would go write something and I had to go search the journals like in the library. Right. Um, and, and find like three primary article sources that support whatever it is I was writing about. And the intimidation of that, where you're walking through this library, like physically and seeing all these, you know, you, you can't really tell what's good and what isn't good. Like, the, I mean, um, and, and you don't, you're not in the system. So you're just like grasping at whatever. And that, that was really intimidating. And then when I got really, when I started working for Doug and was, um, actively looking through news and, and, and was really kind of given this palette of, look, these are the sources that are important for our field, right? Like, like here, here are the 15 journals that if there's going to be something that comes up in the next couple of weeks, or in, you know, in the next month, um, that that's important that research wise, it's going to be in one of these. And so it just took time to become familiar and then reading with all that stuff, like every, every month when, when you're going scanning through abstracts, maybe, you know, maybe a couple of hundred of them, um, you, you realize like exactly what, what you said, Don, like how much, how much discovery still exists out there, like that, that we, that we don't, have everything kind of sorted out in in the food safety world or in anywhere um 
uh, you know, any other world. But but it, it the, and so I think back to um, working with, with with folks in the public and um, and and to some extent, um, you know, cooperative extension and environmental health folks. I think many of them are probably still at that intimidation level of how do I figure out if this is good in the journal, right? Like, how do I know if this is even credible? There's so much. Where do I even start? And and that's like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know what to do with that. Just that that I I, I think I recognize some of that. Um, um, uh, I don't know. Maybe not frustration, but but overwhelmness with 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 the peer reviewed uh, evidence based world. Yeah, yeah. I I, would, I I I have nothing else to add except except that uh, one of the great ways uh, to learn about stuff is to listen to really smart people talk about it. And uh, I have to uh, thank you and also express some irritation as I, 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 I want to express this irritation publicly. Um, uh, for several uh, episodes now, uh, you have uh, been harping on this uh, Pod Save America <laughs> show, and I uh, kind of ran out of my regularly scheduled podcasts, and so I dipped into a couple. I've uh, In my podcast app, I've created... Uh, like a second tier of like stuff I go to when I run out of my regular stuff. And uh, now Pod Save America is solidly in the second tier. And I really, um, I really like, I really like these guys. So these are guys that are, that worked in uh, Obama administration. They're speech writers, uh, communication people. Again, I see why you like them. They're communications yep. people. They're smart. Uh, they're funny. Uh, they curse, um, which is great. They have an explicit tag on their podcast, which we, which we strive to avoid. Um, and they're just, it's just really, it's really great to hear smart people talk about stuff that that they know a lot about that you don't really know about i mean uh, as i was telling one of my uh, one of my graduate students uh, strong opinions loosely held right it's great it's great to have strong opinions but you need to also be prepared to to change your mind um but these guys have definitely have strong opinions um and they definitely have an agenda. They definitely have a perspective. But uh, again, uh, so so thank you. And also, uh, equally in equal measures, I curse you because now I have another <laughs> podcast I have to listen to. More walking. More, well, more walking. Yes. More. Right. Look at it as a as as a benefit. Just you know, you're going to be walking more, and it's uh, it's only comes out twice a week. So is it, is it only twice a week? It's only twice a week, Don. Okay. It's it's only it's only an hour twice a week, two hours a week. Uh, the episodes are longer than an hour. Oh, that's true. They're they're a little longer. It's yeah. I, I really... an episode that just came out. It's seventy three minutes. It's oh, nice. It's a, it's a, like an hour with uh, you know with some commercials in there. Um, uh, oh yeah, which I fast forward through. Me too. No yeah. Uh, well, and and I would expect if we had sponsors on our uh, podcast, which we don't, that people would fast forward through those as well. Um, so yeah, no, I I I am also really loving that that podcast, and and it's just you know a different uh, uh, it's a different style of podcast than than what I have been listening to, um, and it's all it's good to switch it up sometimes. Um, hey, so hey. so so, um, Don, I have a question for you. It is a question, and it comes straight out of a, a USA Today headline, breaking news headline from uh, two o'clock this afternoon. Is washing your produce a waste of time? And let me tell you before you weigh in, who uh, USDA, USA Today uh, asked to weigh in on this? Uh, two people we know really well. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, so sorry. So uh, I'm 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 old and it's uh, late in the day. Ask me the first question first. Is washing your produce 
a waste of time. It depends, Ben. <laughs> it depends what your goal is, I right? Don? I bet you. Well, it depends what, what depends on the nature of the produce. Yeah. If it's triple, if it's triple wash salad, no, it, it's yes, a waste of triple wash salad, waste of time. Um, whole heads of lettuce from the field, or or product that we have a wow, we have this wonderful um, uh, place that's right next to our favorite Thai place called Delicious Orchards, and they have wonderful produce, uh, better than Wegmans. Sorry, Wegmans, um, better than Wegmans, um, and they have wonderful arugula, and it's just in a great big bin. And I, I love to get the arugula from them, and my wife always reminds me that I have to wash it because it's it just in a giant bin. So. Um, if it's if it's loose leaf stuff in a bin or if it's whole head lettuce, uh, you should wash it because at least you're going to remove dirt. Um, and yeah, it may have uh, it may have some some benefit. It's not a lot of benefit. Again, we, you know, based on research that myself and others have done, uh, I would predict about a one log reduction, um, which is not much in the world of microbiology, but in the world of percentages, hex that that's a ninety percent reduction. And and uh, depending on where you are on the dose response curve, there's pathogens there. Ninety percent reduction can move you into some you know a, a, a definitely a, a risk reduction uh, area. But realize that it's not it's not uh, it's not the same as let's say cooking your burger. So, uh, yeah, so, um, depends, but that's my rule is, uh, if it's already come to me, triple washed or pre-washed, I don't wash it. And if it has not been washed, then I do wash it and I wash it in plain water. Boom. Now uh, the two people, the two people, um, uh, Linda Harris and Michelle Danilak. Ah, uh, Linda Harris. Ding, ding, ding. Number two. Yeah. Oh yeah. I should have actually you, like used Ben Chapman. Was it you? It was not. Oh, Randy Warbo. Boom. Boom. So there you go. The uh, uh, Just just so uh, uh, our listeners know, uh, both members of the Canadian Food Safety Mafia. Uh, <laughs> that was my next topic. <laughs> it's all of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, almost everything that you said is pretty much everything that uh, Linda and Randy said. And and the, the, the thing that... Um, that I like about this article, uh, like about the conversations you and I have had, and and it, it's it's one of the best um, questions out there in food safety that really allows you to demonstrate it's complicated and it depends, right? Because it, for all the re- like, it's not as simple as a Betteridge's law is washing your produce a waste of time. Yes or no? It's like, well, it kind of depends on what it is. It kind of depends on what you're trying to remove. And and is it in in what your expectation is right? Like, are are you expecting um, a, a panacea of food safety sterilization by washing your produce um, equal to cooking it? Uh, and and so no, it's uh, bang on. But you know you know what's kind of crazy, Don, about this is that maybe uh, this is this is a news type of story because. Um, it, I think a lot of coverage on on this, uh, and often um, you see it in outbreaks. It's like, what can you do to protect yourself? Um, you know, from from the salmonella and tomatoes, and it's always like, well, remember to wash your tomatoes. And that, you know, now now that that that's a one off, right? Like that's that's done. We don't we're not, we don't have time for um, the the nuance and the complexity of it. And we're here. We got a whole nice article discussing it, where it's like it does something not very much. Um, and don't do it on, uh, um, uh, you know, pre triple wash ready salad. Cause it's only going to make it worse. 
or only right, or could or make it worse. Well, it could, could only make that's it worse. Right, exactly. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, exa- exactly right. And so, yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely link to this article. Uh, we will also link to uh, Linda's uh, homepage and uh, Randy's homepage. And I have to say, man, that is a stunning picture, Linda. You're probably not listening to this, but it is a very nice picture of you. Uh, uh, it looks wonderful on my um, uh, high-res of uh, 5k display here really really very nice picture of linda uh announcing or not announcing but noted and she is the department chair and specialist in cooperative extension and food science technology so very nice and if you go to randy's website it's an old uh grainy picture so uh warbo get your button gear and get a nice picture on your website you're a very handsome man this picture does not show that <laughs> oh good good stuff um hey so uh, there's something else I wanted to talk about that was funny. Where is it? Where is it here? Where is it? Where is it? Toasting. Toasting. Where, where is it? I can't find it. Toast. Don't. Don, should you toast your uh, your steak in the toaster? Oh, should you cook uh, a toast? Oh my god, Ben. Could oh you, my god. Should you do um, that? You could, yeah, uh, you could. If you do, you're a moron. <laughs> okay. All right. Come on. Tell me more. Tell me more about this. Where is this? It's somewhere. Uh, yeah. Well, it's. I think it's. I think it, it may be in Dropbox. So I will. I will go from memory here. So one of us can search and one of us can talk. Um, so there is a and and it's it's a it's a. I think it's a video. It's something that came across um, my uh, radar um, uh, since the last podcast. And there is an image of people. Uh, basically taking steaks and putting them into a toaster, which you to use for toasting bread and using that bread toaster for toasting steaks. So number one, it's a terrible idea. Number two, it's going to ruin your toaster. Number three, it's not going to really do a good job of cooking your steaks. Um, and number four, you could light stuff on fire because toasters, I think, are good for toasting bread. Uh, which is a relatively low-fat product that does not drain fat into um, the bottom of the toaster. So if you want to use a toaster oven to cook your steaks, by all means, go ahead and do that. But using a toaster is a really bad idea for at least three reasons. Uh, I'm with you. Yes, uh, it's this is good. I did, as I'm searching for this article, um, I did come across something I just texted you for, in Gizmodo, my, my favorite website I never go to. Um, it's huh. a glass toaster that costs a thousand dollars, but it can cook steak as well. And okay, it, well that's fine. If you if you want, one, hey, if you if you, yeah. if you want to cook steak in a toaster, get this. Yes, get this thousand uh, dollar toaster on Gizmodo. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is currently on display at the Euro Cochina Trade Fair in Milan. This high high end kitchen appliance reinvents the toaster, Don. Instead of using traditional heating elements, the noun uses semiconductors embedded in glass to create perfectly brown toast. The design also enables it to cook pretty much anything else as well if you put in put it in a heat-resistant bag. I don't know what you have the, to put in the, 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 yeah. the Bugatti noun is a god among toasters, okay? A <laughs> god among toasters. A god with a lowercase g. So, hey, props to, uh, props to Gizmodo. Oh, man. Yeah, so there you go. Steak, steak in a toaster. Oh gosh, there's another one. Gizmodo back in 2008 covered a steak in a toaster. Did you hear me? I said steak in a toaster, a steak toaster. Oh gosh. Uh yeah. Don't don't cook steak in your toaster. Right? Like because it's no, gonna please it's don't. gonna mess it up. Um. I see you put Bridge of Spies into the Dropbox folder. I like that movie. 
Oh, yeah, we just watched it recently. Uh, really good, uh, really highly recommended. So we will we will link to that. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. So Tom Hanks movie from a couple of years ago. Um, really, really good. Tom Hanks, is, as always, is awesome. Um, yeah, so Bridge of Spies, um, we loved it. That's got us on a spy kick. We went – because of that, we went and watched um, – well, a while ago we had watched uh, the the uh, movie remake of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, uh, the John Le Carre novel, um, and then uh, we wanted to go seek out the original miniseries, and so we just finished watching that on YouTube on our Apple TV because uh, apparently you can watch uh, miniseries there. And so it's it was good, but it was uh, it's a very complicated story, and it was hard to follow um, because there's no closed captioning on YouTube, um, and we need closed captioning for um, uh, movies from the 1970s. For miniseries from the 1970s featuring British people who, who, who don't speak the same language. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, it's good. That's a, that, that was a good movie. I watched that uh, last year uh, um, while I was uh, visiting Canada uh, and uh, on a really big screen in my father-in-law's basement. And by a big screen, I mean he has like a movie projector. So it was Whoa. like 14 feet wide or something. Oh. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It made me want to have a room where I could put a massive uh, movie projector stream, except, except not that badly, because <laughs> it because it, <laughs> it's it's a it's a huge huge room. Um, cool. Well, hey, I think that's a show. I think so. Do you did you ever find that uh, cooking a steak in a toaster? No, but I don't, okay. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll, we'll find some. We'll 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 find, we'll find it. it and link to it. Yeah. We had it. I think I saw it in. The notes folder, but I can't see okay. it now because I opened right. it up earlier. It's probably sitting somewhere. Yeah, we'll link to it. Um, cool. Yeah. So, anything else? You got anything else for me? No, I think it's a show. I think that's a show. Well, food safety talk number one twenty one is complete. Um, go uh, go to the iTunes uh, and uh, rate us, uh, comment. Good, bad, stars, whatever. Just uh, give us some, give us f- some feedback. I like yeah, feedback. Please, yeah, we, please, please, please do, please do. We get feedback sometimes. It's nice. It's nice. To we hear. do. It's, it's, it's very nice. It's nice to hear from the people. Yeah. Oh, well, I, actually, I do have one more thing I do want to talk about. So um, there is a my podcast app of choice that I use to listen to Pod Save America and other podcasts is a, is an app called Overcast. Uh, and Overcast just came out with a new version. And uh, Marco Armet, who's the, the programmer who makes Overcast, uh, recently opened up Overcast to advertising. Um for podcasts. And this is something I have been wanting for a long, long time. You know where the perfect place to advertise a podcast is, Ben? On another podcast. On another podcast, right? And so uh, I went uh, very quickly when he announced this. I went very quickly, and by very quickly, I mean within a day or two, which is not very quickly, to his website to see if uh, we could purchase ads for our oh. uh, podcast. And uh, I was looking in the area of science and technology, which is our area, and uh, the ads had already sold out. Um, but uh, I'm I'm on the list to get informed when the next uh, round of ads opens. And uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think I'm gonna uh, you know Let's spend some of this very lucrative money that we're making. <laughs> doing this podcast yeah. and by by making money i mean not making, not making any money any at all money. yeah um but but why not uh, why not get more listeners so i'm gonna try that it's not that much it's uh it's a it's a you know it's 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 a modest amount of money and i'm gonna give it a shot that sounds awesome i think we should do that i support more, that people, more people need to listen to this podcast better. yeah and then t- and then those same people who are new should tell us uh what they want us to talk about and send us things and then maybe even argue with us uh if we get it wrong Sure, we, we like it when people argue with us. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah I do. 
gives it's uh, it's it's the uh, only place in my life where I find conflict on the internet. <laughs> and, and then, uh, uh, well, I play hockey, and then with my children who are don't listen to me. <laughs> but I'm, I don't think it's just me. I think uh, I think many children don't listen to their parents. Um, <laughs> got real got real dark there, didn't it? Uh, all right, let's uh, let's call this a show. And uh, Don, I will uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's a that's my big problem with the internet is I can never remember where I've seen stuff. Yeah. And it's like, was it but I think Michelle sent it to us, but I just like I literally I've seen it today. Like I opened it up while I was going through the notes file. I just hmm. can't um sometimes they're uh like you know, you can't tell by the title that the yeah. PDF gets printed as. I don't know. We didn't talk about the the uh, phone design for rectal smuggling, <laughs> which is no, awesome. Uh, well, we can talk about that, and that seems like an appropriate after dark topic. Yeah. What's the comment? I don't know. Comments? Is this it? No. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I've deleted it out of here. Maybe I had it open and I did something to it. Um. Yeah. Okay. Amazon reviews. For a phone designed for rectal smuggling, are pretty interesting reading. I just like Amazon reviews. Yes, I love I love this whole now genre of of Amazon reviews, um, like for humorous purposes. I just think it's a great. It's it's one of the things, Ben. There's a lot to not like about the internet, um, but this is one of the things that is just like so awesome about the internet. It's true. Just it's just a free form art form that just sort of developed, and that that Amazon is apparently not discouraging or is you know is somehow allowing to flourish. I just think it's I think it's just fantastic. It, it really is, and and you could this is like another thing like you couldn't have predicted that this website was going to pop up and become the most popular purchasing place. I don't know if it's in in the U.S. or wherever. Um, like I, I don't know where it ranks in retail. Anyway, it's massive, right? It's Amazon, and that this whole other thing would evolve, like because it became the most popular place to buy things, and that that's that's hilarious. Uh, 
I wish you could figure these things out. Um, yeah, so uh, so there you go. Uh, Don, where um, I found the, uh, the this. Yeah, I did too. Beat the boss. Um, what's that? Oh no, beat the boss phone. Oh, oh no! I, I, so you, found you know, toast? yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a message from, uh, from Michelle to uh, the usual suspects, and uh, it's a Facebook link. Oh. Um, but so the the trick to finding it was to go into um, messages and search for the word toaster. Oh well, there you go. So we will we will link to we will link to that. So yeah, it's uh, cooking steak with a toaster. Um, it's Rhett and Link, whoever they are. Um, yeah, so. Sweet. Couple of couple of hipster dudes that are just morons. <laughs> oh, <that's sighs> awesome. Um, there you go. I'm glad I don't have to smuggle any phones rectally. But if you did, you'd know where to go to find out the best reviews. I would. <laughs> I've been extremely satisfied with this phone's call quality. Unfortunately, it seems extremely <laughs> easy to accidentally butt dial your contacts. <laughs> uh, this is the real deal. I was I was really worried I was done when my boss grabbed me by oh by by the word that I couldn't use. Uh, but if I stay discreet and hid, hidden, granted, uh, he does have exceptionally tiny hands. Didn't hurt my bum at all. Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Oh, dear. I like that it's called The Boss. Beat The Boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it comes with a free lanyard, so that's nice. Well, how else are you going to get it out? Right. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Uh, all right. We should. Uh, so you, you know how you're getting this big snowstorm next week? Mm-hmm. Guess where I'm going to be. Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Oh, Rhode Island, Narragansett. And, and guess what's going to happen in Narragansett? They're going to get snow? a crap ton of snow. Like, All I'm supposed right. to arrive Tuesday, and Tuesday Ooh. afternoon, Tuesday night mm. is like six to eight inches, and then yeah. another three to five inches on Wednesday. I don't know if I'm going to make it. You but, might not make it. Whatever. Well, you know, what am I, what can I do? Eh, what, what, what can you do, right? What can you do? What, what are you going to do about it? Is that how they say that? Is that. <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah, yeah, that's what they say about it. Hey. Forget about it. Hey, hey oh, forget hey. about it. Forget about it. Hey, what are you gonna, is that, it sounds. It's very Rhode Island as well. <laughs> they have the mafia there too, apparently. Yeah, it's a place to be. Uh so anyway, uh, yeah, I might be in the snow. I don't like the snow, Don. It's like you're from Canada, Ben. I le- I left there. <laughs> I left you there. lost your cold hardiness. I have, and I don't really like. I'm, I was never. Fo- I was never fond of it when I was there. It was like, well, you say that now. No, I'd say that then. There were times where I only left the house to play hockey, right? Because I will drive through snow. But when I was in grad school and I was like either writing or doing stuff that I could do at home, there and we got snow. There would be like three or four days that I didn't even go outside. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I've been bitching a lot about the. Uh the weather here in New Jersey and it's gorgeous now. I just, I can't believe it's going to be a snowstorm, but it looks like fortunately um, I'm still waiting to hear on for one faculty. So Michelle was, is on the committee. She was going to join remotely anyway. Um, the, the, um, uh, the older, other older faculty member um, who I thought would be a problem has agreed that he is willing to do it remotely. Good. 
Uh, and then uh, the other faculty member will probably agree because he's he's uh, only a little bit older than me and he's definitely on the cutting edge of the technology and stuff like all the kids. So so he should be willing to do it as well. So so hopefully it'll it, we won't have to reschedule because my schedule's you know really pretty tight these days. So yeah. 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 Well, hopefully hopefully I make it and don't get stuck in Narragansett. And uh, I'm sure you won't get stuck. I just I just I'm not sure if you'll actually make it. Yeah, I don't know either. How hey. long are you there for? Uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. So I'm home Thursday. Oof, so, so it could exactly could well be that the whole thing just is a wash. Yeah, and it's the the meeting that um that we're doing is all day Wednesday. Oh yeah. So, um, so we'll see. They may they may just move it uh, until another time, and then my uh, my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday frees up. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Who can who can complain about that? Not me. Not um, you. Uh, so speaking of, uh, weeks yes. that, that exist, yes. um, okay. So two weeks from today is the 23rd. It is. Uh, I, I have, uh, um, so let me see. 21, 22, 20, yeah. 23rd in the afternoon. I have nothing. Right. So I, <coughs> excuse me, I would have had nothing, but, uh, I am, uh, Sounds holding like the, something. Well, yeah, so I'm, on, I'm involved in this. Um, it's not quite a lawsuit yet, but anyway, let's just call it expert consulting. Um, and uh, things are heating up. And so I'm holding a bunch of times for the lawyers to, for, to meet with me. Um, and that is one of the times that I'm holding. It is possible that they will not want to meet at that time, um, in which case I could meet. So I've got a defense that ends at noon. And then I've got a rendezvous with Oleg at 430. And so I could, I could, do, it, uh, I could do it in between. You're getting those wires tapped again. Uh, getting my wires tapped. Yeah. So so I could I could pencil it in, and then um, if my meeting with the lawyers isn't because I'm holding a bunch of t- dates and okay. times for the lawyers, and so if it doesn't work, then uh, we can do it. But uh, yeah. So if if that works for you, it does. Also, the 24th works for me anytime. So do you want to like? Does that work better for you? Okay, so let me let me go ahead and 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 pencil you in for the 23rd, just just so that I've got it. Um, so I don't lose that thought. Um, so the, the, oh, you know what? Hmm. I'm wondering, I'm wondering why I didn't tell them the morning of the 24th. Um, perhaps I did. Um, all right. So, yeah, so let's, um, so right now I'm free the morning of the 24th. The problem, the problem with mornings on Fridays is that's the day I go into the office. And so that is often a time when I will meet with graduate students. And if I'm recording a podcast, I, I cannot meet with graduate students. Right, right. Um, but, oh yeah. And I have one of my students is giving seminar that day. So, but that, that's later in the day. So, um, yeah, so, so let's, let's do this. My preference is the 23rd, Okay. but, but I, but I penciled in the afternoon of the 23rd at a, a time of, let's say, can we say one ish? Yes. Yes. We can, we can say one or one, let's say one thirty Cause I think I might have to do a lunch thing at noon. So, okay. and it's cool. not right in my building. So let's say one thirty. Yeah, and so my my thing is I've got to uh, I'll have a defense on campus, and then Oleg is down here in Freehold, so I need to travel at some point. Um, but one thirty one thirty should work. Okay. So, and again, the defense the ending of the defense is a little bit up in the air. Um, uh, Oleg is you know not not negotiable. I mean, I guess I could I could reschedule that, but um, yeah. Well, so and, and if you so. get like if the defense goes over or one thirty doesn't work, you still you know if we go one thirty or three thirty, does that give you enough time to get to? Oleg, or do you need? Do you, is, do you have a hard out at like three? 
No, I have a hard out. Um, let's see. Uh, let me see. Let me just get this uh, label clip correct. I feel like we should have Oleg on the show. Like, I feel like I know him now. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not, you know, it would be more fun to have Mark. I think Mark is a little more chatty. Um, uh, Oleg is kind of, uh, he's a man of few words. He's very, he's very Russian. He's very, he's very, um, he's very, he's very Russian. Um, I, I think Mark would be a better interview. Um, okay. Uh, so, uh, all right. So, so I've got, uh, the morning as, of the 24th as a backup. Um, yeah, so no, I have to, to be at Oleg at four, I have to, I have a hard, uh, be at Oleg's at four 30 at the PT place. It's not like we're going to, I'm not going to his house. Um, uh, I have, I have a hard out at four. I have to be walking okay. out the door at four. Walking out the door in free, in freehold. freehold. Okay. Yeah. So that means you have to travel back to freehold at some point. Right. Or I have to be leaving and uh, and then if I if I'm leaving New Brunswick, it's a little more complicated. I have to be leaving New Brunswick at, let's say, instead of four, uh, I would be I guess I could take the microphones with me. I don't know, Ben. Right. It's, life is so complicated. Um, let's let's plan on me doing it in freehold. Um, and then I have a hard out at four. I think that's okay. the most sensible thing to do. So then we could push it to like two. Oh, absolutely. That would yes. get you back to, you know, you could you could get back to freehold, like if yes. you're yes. yeah, even okay. if the defense runs till one, which yeah. I don't think right. Okay, cool. Well then let's let's hold one thirty now and I've got yes. nothing that afternoon, so that's okay. perfect. And, and, then, we, and we and we'll hold the next morning as backup in yep. case the players want to meet them. Yeah. This is going to be the most extensive back to work or back to work <laughs> after dark ever. I love it. Well, you know what I used to do? We should talk about this uh, on the show because yeah. you know, I used to cut this out. Show. I used to cut it out too. And then, um, and then I noticed you weren't cutting it out. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> but so I used to cut it out. And then sometimes like we talked about it, good stuff in the middle. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we talk about other things like like there's like three Oleg jokes there that I don't want to cut out. <laughs> now, now, now we would just have uh, disembodied Oleg jokes. Right. Uh, with no setup, no it would context. just be so. Yeah, it would, yeah. this so, wouldn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm going to leave it in, and and so you know we, it's only when we're like uh, this is off the record, right? That's when I when I cut stuff out of the after dark. Now I like right. the hey, it's in the show, it's in the show, right? That's right. The show is about the show. Yeah, totally. Uh, all right, so there you go. The 23rd and 24th held held. All right, awesome. Uh, and I, and this one's all mine. This is yours. It's deep. Yeah. And we don't leave. So remember how I was yeah. like, yeah, so we don't leave yeah. until tomorrow afternoon. Cool. Um, so if I don't get it all finished tonight, I'll get it done tomorrow morning. Cool. I will, I will drop the links in the uh, Dropbox right now. Cool. Sounds good. All right. All right. I will talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.